Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, and I need a haircut. And joining me, under no circumstance, is he allowed to take off his blindfold. It's boy. Girl. Yeah, everyone keeps, I keep seeing the memes for, it's, it's a whole actual video to make about how uh, Bird Box memed its way. Yeah, uh, that's a kind of interesting thing that's happened in the wake of the success of Bird Box. Whether I, I put that in quotes because we don't really know for sure, given that Netflix. Doesn't oh, I would say I would say one hundred percent. I can say from my perspective, fastest video to a million I've ever made in my life. Fastest really? video to millions that I've seen other people get to as well. I mean, the the sheer pervasiveness of the memes of Bird Box suggests that a lot of people have seen it. Yeah. I've had people just talking to me but, about it casually. So I, I feel like, yeah, it's definitely popular, but it's been curious to me to see how many people are are attributing uh, its internet presence to like Netflix bots or whatever. I, it, it seems like maybe you know, we can't we really trust the real thing. We've talked about Venom before, how they practically used the uh, making Venom into a boyfriend over in, what was it? It was a China. It's maybe the same thing here because a bunch of the comments that I got was, I'm not I knew nothing about the movie. I'm just here because I need to understand what all the memes are about. Mm-hmm. I'm just here so I can fit in with my friends who have seen the movie, which is so weird because usually it's like, oh man, I haven't seen the new Avengers movie. I can't go to theater. It's at home. <laughs> what do you mean you haven't seen it? That's some extra level of laziness, but it literally shows how the power of memes and everyone who's been talking about the, the movie online, fabricated it or not, it shows you that how word of mouth can literally uh, build a movie to be so big. We're not going to get into this in yay or nay, so let, let's talk about this a little bit now. Uh, Netflix tweeted that 45 million accounts watched Bird Box, which uh, according to Netflix is the most for the first week of a release of a Netflix movie ever. Uh, if you think about 45 million accounts and you want to equate that to like a $10 ticket price, that's it's at not least $450 though. That's million. Not, dollars. You and I know that's not how it is. It's like streaming service. You don't let stream, your stream of a song is 0.001. Yeah, if you want to equate that, just yeah. in terms of Netflix like does. the number of people who maybe saw it. But that's the thing with Netflix. It also raises all these questions. They say 450 million accounts or whatever. How many of those accounts have have watched it and clicked out of it after thirty seconds? How many of those yep. accounts watched it and clicked out after you know like a Facebook minutes? view? How many just had the actual trailer play for them automatically and then they counted it as one? Right, right. Like we don't is that how how strictly is Netflix counting all this? Yeah. Are they talking about accounts that are just in the U.S. or accounts that are worldwide? It just opens the door to so many other questions. I was Go wondering on. what you thought. Uh, when you heard about how successful this Netflix movie um, is. As opposed to a lot of the other ones where, what was it, uh, the, the Christmas one, the Chronicles of Christmas? Don't yeah, they Russell? said that a lot of people watched that one, and they also said last year that a lot of people watched Bright. They're right. saying that Roma is doing very well now. So that's the but... thing. With Roma, we can see the numbers and the and, and the, the buzz that's going around it. With Bright, it was like, no, nah, I heard more controversy than people watching it. Christmas Chronicles, it was people making videos talking about, have y'all even heard of this movie, Chronicles? Bird Box, you, I, I see it everywhere. Yeah. It is Bird literally Box, everywhere. Bird Box is maybe the first Netflix movie, movie, where I feel like it's an it's actual social, has a social impact. Yeah, I don't want to say social impact. That like, if you haven't seen it, you've heard about it, you've been 
thinking about it in some capacity. You know the it's, plot of it. Bird Boxing has officially become... Like, Daredevil had three seasons. Bird Box Challenge or but, whatever it but was. But Bird Box will now be... Blindfolds and Bird Box will now become one. Yeah, yeah. It's stealing Daredevil's so, thunder, I guess. Just yeah. in time for Daredevil to exit Netflix. <laughs> Killed and kicked it out just like that. <laughs> but anyways, we've been so used to sitting... I miss the yeah. set, man. I miss the set. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, we This... Room feels empty without you. Are you ready for this? Uh, How we used to be so close, right there, <laughs> and now we are literally the far. Not just because we're on back to the Skype days, we I'm literally at the opposite ends of the country. Uh, we've been driving for the last four days, and we're in Seattle right now, so it literally can't get any farther than where this man is. Uh, so if I look tired, it's because it's been four days. Drove two hours into a road in um, what did I say? Yellowstone. Yeah. The, yeah, Yellowstone. Says road closed, got to drive two hours back, take the longer route over, got stranded in South Dakota at one point. It's made it to Seattle. <laughs> and if I look tired, it's just because the time difference is even bigger than normal. But <laughs> oh, yeah, it's because right. even yet. <laughs> Three hours ahead. Uh, so in a little bit, we're going to talk about the surprising Golden Globes, as well as our favorite TV shows of 2018, because it's not too late yet. Nope. But first, we're going to start the way we start every week here on the Intercut Podcast with what we've been watching and art. What have you been watching? Well, one of them is something that I'm going to keep for later because it's a, uh, something that's going to make it to a list a little bit later on. But what I have been watching was, I guess, the only really release that I actually stopped to make sure I could make the video. Parched as can be. I'm also feeling better. Thank you for those of you who are concerned. Um, others just said... Screw you being sick. When For Escape Room. <laughs> when I made the video for Escape Room, I was like, sorry, guys, I'm sick. You can hear it. Like, it wasn't so pretending. Yeah. Some people were like, take your time, take your time. Now, 90% of people, he sounds Where's better with the content? deep voice. Give me the content. Hey, he doesn't sound that bad with the deep voice. Just keep doing what you got to do. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. I stopped to watch Escape Room in uh, Minnesota. Um, man, do you, you know those movies where you're like, it's the guilty pleasure? Yeah, because I know it. Like um, I know it's it's not good, but there's yeah. some stuff about it that are like. Final, remember Final Destination back in high school? Exciting! Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we're about to see this really dope movie. This has it, and I feel like it would have been a classic if we weren't in the era of everyone being able to critique everything. It would have the buzz that the Final Destinations used to have back in the day. And stuff yeah, like I'm, I mean, you know, I think the big thing with this movie. Aside from, you know, it coming out in January and January traditionally being a dumping ground, it is. is that it's called Escape Room. And it was people, called The Maze at first. Right, right. Like, it's it's the fact that it's feel if people feel like it's lumped in with the like the battleship movies or the, uh, you know, this just tr trying to make everything into a movie now, even things that don't necessarily deserve a movie. And that's not what this is. It's a much more interesting idea that's almost been shoehorned into a tr modern trend. Yeah. It's like the opposite way around. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I don't see any difference between like the plot of this or like the plot of like a Saw movie. If anything, this is like a more intricate version That was going to be Jigsaw, it. yeah. Um, it's still fun though. That's the crazy thing about it is that the production design with the rooms, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's an actual engaging story. If this was a ripoff of Saw... It is a really good ripoff of Saw. That's the thing about it. Uh, and that's like the only movie that's coming out for a bit. 
everything next week is just going to be – I mean, you're going to cover that later on. It's just yeah. wider releases. So this is like the biggest movie we have for most of January until Glass, Definitely I would seems say. the most unique or interesting movie we're getting other than uh, the expanding Oscar movies. Yeah, and uh, the movie, which we already got the all of it in the trailer, uh, the dog one. <laughs> Yes, Every time the, uh, it comes on, there's always a dude who's like, "Hey, you want to see this movie? When does it come out? Right here. Watch it. You're watching it right now. There, he, there he goes. <laughs> yeah, and he found the owner happily ever after. Tells you everything. Tells you everything. Well, okay, I'm gonna go the opposite way. I know a lot of people are critiquing this trailer. I first of all, first of all, who is going into the G-rated dog movie thinking? Well, I wonder if the dog's going to be okay in the end. Second of all, what parent is going to take their kid into the movie wondering, oh my God, is this dog going to die at the end? Like, this, it's serving its audience. I don't want to worry about whether or not this dog is going to be okay. Did Marley and Me get nominated for anything? Marley and Me was like PG-13, I think. <laughs> oh, that, that is a, oh, that bad, is a movie for adults, sir. That was Okay, my bad. Uh, you're right. I take it back. So as someone who knows this the side of the movie YouTube reviewing game, you're right. People want to know everything before going in. That's why I'm upset. The trailer's taking my job. <laughs> you're supposed that's, to give me all point. the bit, yeah. You're supposed to give me all the bits and pieces. I rearrange it. Yeah. Not you. Uh. I did uh, have one more thing before I toss it back to you. Maybe you've yeah. seen this as well. For talking about TV shows, this is not one that made it, but I need to mention it because it's it's. So you know, like. Last year, everyone's making the 2018 list, mm -hmm. and February comes around, and we're talking about the Oscars, and Black Panther comes out, and everyone goes, why wasn't Black Panther in your list? And it's like, no, because that's a new movie. I consider the show You, the Lifetime one on Netflix, last year's show. But right, even right. if you consider it this year's show, there's going to be people who I know for talking about a best TV list who are going to be like, why aren't you talking about You? I know I'm only talking about it because it's brand new and I'm just going off the trend, but why wasn't it on this list? To me, it's not on this list. But I'm curious to know if you know anything about this show. So I watched the first episode of it. Okay. Um, this is starring Penn Badgley, yep. I think it is. Uh, I haven't really heard much about it other than it's been getting buzz. A lot of people think it's like this fun, scary show. Uh, and, and I think it was – was it on Lifetime? Lifetime. Was it on A&E? Lifetime. Lifetime. So the first episode's like – interesting i'm not gonna go ahead and say it was like something that caught my attention or made me feel like i need to keep watching i i can see where it's gonna be kind of l like a twist on dexter in a way a little bit but this not necessarily as deep yeah this is the highest this is the biggest requested most requested let me explain we've had in the past week we get I'm around a hundred to a hundred and twenty requests for this. Do you, 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 you. To the point I didn't even know at the beginning what they were talking about. I thought they were just like, you, you, you. And then I realized it was a show. Right. So I had to go binge it. I think it's the same, the pilot. Yeah. That's what you get over and over and over again for the, mo for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah. There is some twist that comes towards the end. They get to a point where it's just like, Wait, is a woman writer <laughs> and a woman showrunner? Like it gets to some points where where what would be deemed problematic. Even I would be like, oh, stop using that word. Oh, we talk about this show. Uh the moment it ends, they they kind of bring it, they wrap it around, and it wasn't until I was watching interviews that I really got what they were going for. It to me, it's a whole parody of. Um, Fifty Shades. 
in Fifty Shades, he looks just like this guy over here, mysterious, very nice dude. But he's got a room where he, you know, does very sexual things. But when he goes to the hardware store, everyone's seen the edits and the cuts of making it a horror movie. He seems like a serial killer. All three movies, though, he is not a serial killer. He never kills, never implied, none of that. This one he does. It is the right. exact same story, and yet people were attracted to it, having done research for the video, because um, the ending does have a pretty good, um, I don't want to say resolution, but cliffhanger for season two. Mm-hmm. Reading, se- uh, uh, season, reading book two, one of the things that um, he brings up in there is that he says you can practically swap out sex for murder, and you guys wouldn't care. Which I realized was him breaking the fourth, or the author breaking the fourth wall to what then is going to be in the uh, TV show, which is we literally just, this is your normal lifetime thing, but now there's actual murders happening. Now it's literally a mixture of Dexter, and y'all don't care. Y'all come in to see sex, y'all come in to see murder as well. It doesn't matter to you, and that's like a big line that I feel is going to be in season two, and I think that that's an interesting kind of way to look at why people are so fascinated with the show. Yeah. But supposed so to be a lot of people are requesting it? that you watch it, though. Are you excited to check it out again? Oh, see after, season two when yeah, it comes back? I'm curious for season two, but to me, it just dragged because the whole time, if you're watching it, and I'm sure most people are watching with me, this guy's crazy. Leave. Yeah. And it's yeah. so interesting seeing Penn's interviews. Everyone else was talking about how excited he was to make the project. All he mentions for 30 minutes in the SAG interview is how he regretted doing this. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do this. Then the Harvey Weinstein save hi. I kept asking him, are you sure we want to do this? He says he utterly hates his character and he's so confused to why anyone would ever see this as a romance because he said everyone <laughs> while they were making it said that this was supposed to be a dark romantic comedy. He said there's nothing romantic about this. Yeah, uh, I've only seen the pilot, but I, I'm on Penn's side there. That I was too the whole time. very creepy to me. So, <laughs> All right. So, what have you been uh, watching? So what have I been watching? Uh, I've been trying to see some of the more of the Oscar movies and make sure I'm caught up for all of that. I've also seen a couple more movies on Netflix that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, should we get into Bird Box a little bit? Because I don't Go think ahead. we've had a chance to talk about it on the show yet. I mean, so it was perfectly watchable. You know, I think a lot of people are... Worst you know, a lot movie of, of the year. A lot of people are going like overboard in one way or the other, either really loving it or really hating it. When to me, it's like very much in the middle of uh, a quiet place and the happening. It's just kind of, it has its moments. I learned something really big though with this. When we hear about the favorite in Roma, we realize how small that group is, right? Right. There was one uh, picture going around recently about how some guy said, how are all these other movies nominated if I've never seen them? To which people responded with, sorry, just because you didn't see them, it doesn't mean they're popular. To which the main consensus of him and everyone else was, well, if I haven't heard about them, then I guess they're not that good. Bohemian Rhapsody was a better movie. Then Bohemian Rhapsody wins. Go back to the post. Ha, like I said. We forget how many people who are talking about Bird Box are not in our weekly film Twitter conversations that yes, we have. Yes, yes, And it's interesting when those two worlds collide because I've been saying this almost every week now. Mm-hmm. Us film people are super pretentious and stuck on ourselves and we think that movies revolve around us. Movies do not revolve around film people. Right. 
Right, and that's the thing with Bird Box in that, for me, I found it perfectly watchable. Mm -hmm. I think it had moments. And if you're somebody who's not necessarily seeing a lot of movies the way that you do, the way that I do, the way that people who are probably watching this podcast do, if if you're that much into movies that you're going to listen to us talk about them for an hour and a half... it's a, it's a person who doesn't have money to go to the theater, and they saw Bird Box in the comfort of their own home. This is and, one and of probably ten. they got a few 10. exciting moments. Yes. They got to be in on the memes that Sandra we were talking Bullock, about earlier. It's like watching a big blockbuster, but you yeah. actually got to see it. And a lot of kids got to see it, and they got to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I see why it's so popular. For me, like, having seen A Quiet Place less than a year ago, I, I would rather just see A Quiet Place. I feel like it's got a lot of the same ideas going on with the whole idea of, like, a sensory monster. Yeah. I think the uh, conceit of A Quiet Place is much more cinematic than Bird Box, which More kind thematic, of... I would say, for Bird Box. Yeah, like, I think Bird Box kind of runs into a bit of an issue in that because... Uh, they need to move the plot along, but also it's kind of hard to move places with uh-huh. the blindfolds on. They kind of yada yada a lot of the like intricacies of like how they stay alive at one point. They're yeah. just yada yada five years later. Yep. Uh, it, to me, that's where the movie becomes less interesting in that I think Bird Box cares a little bit less about its internal logic. I think... Yes. Uh, oh, Easily. To me, the there's like this threat of this monster, and I'm all for like an ambiguous monster. I'm all for sometimes not necessarily seeing what uh, the the enemy is, but you have to know what it is, and you have to define what it is. Otherwise, it feels like it's everything and nothing all at once, and and that's kind of what this monster felt like. I've said that multiple, but the themes and the metaphors, you didn't like it. She was I, she was scared to be a parent. Remember, I, I remember think she she had I think to, there's interesting stuff there, but I don't, don't know. It just there's too much stuff that bothered me. There's too much stuff with like why does that guy show up and and pretend and his eyes are normal and then his eyes aren't normal. You know, yeah. like. But you don't like that line where Peter says to her, "It's a leap of faith." You haven't seen Spider Verse, have you? Nah. Damn you! No, how do you get to come in and make these quotes at the beginning and the outros and stuff, but you're not going to get my quips? Damn you. Anyway, she goes in blindfolded. Get it? That's the whole theme of the movie. She went into to, uh, parenting blindfolded, and it wasn't until she was ready to accept both of them as her children that she became the mother that she was. Right. Well, there, there's some interesting stuff and some thematic stuff there. But why do the aliens have shadows if they're invisible? Like that? <laughs> How'd they get back into the car after getting the groceries when it was so hard to get back in? Right, or drive all the way back. I have no idea how, how a lot of that stuff happened. And to me, it's all that stuff that makes it, like, not an in, not a good movie to me. Even though, you know, I, I was perfectly content to sit there for, you know, a little over two hours. Maybe a little bit too long uh, and, and watch, watch the movie. Would you call it a poor man's annihilation? Sure. Both have being I, very... Theme heavy over the actual monster slash alien, which they. Both I mean, are. I'm. I think it's much more like a competent happening, but. Okay. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that one, and then I also saw one that I know you uh, liked a few weeks ago, Cam. <laughs> okay, I'm not allowed to talk about Cam anymore. 
No. Because I put it in my in like my top list. I had mentioned it because I thought it was a good thriller. Like it actually has stuck with me. Uh-huh. But you see, when I say Cam is really good, oh yeah, yeah. How many subscriptions to Cam Girls do you have? Which one? <laughs> it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> And two, like, you can give every single reason to why how cinematically you can correlate it to being a YouTuber and someone who creates content and, and trying to fight trendings and, and algorithms. No, you like, you like cam girls, don't you? <laughs> it's good, is it not? Yeah, no, it's it's a little weird to talk to people about. But right? it's a really, it's a tense thriller. I think it's really interesting. It I think it it's a fitting uh, film in the history of, like, those tense doppelganger movies. To me, I was thinking a lot about the Jesse Eisenberg movie, The Double, just because in tone, I felt like they were a bit similar, even though in execution, maybe they, uh, you know, Cam is definitely more horrific, yeah. whereas The Double is more, like, existential. Yeah. Uh, but they, there's this, like, sense of doom lingering over both of the uh, protagonists in both those movies that I really dug, and this, like, exacerbation at their circumstance. Um, but it's a fun movie. Just like the, it's, it's a fun thrilling. idea. You're replaced, your online presence being replaced by someone who looks exactly like you. Uh, but that's about all I've been watching. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you've been watching down in the comments below. We're get, gonna get to a yay or nay awards Woo. edition, starting with the Golden Globes, where this past weekend and the results were not what most people predicted. In best motion picture, musical or comedy, Green Book. Green I saw Book. that one coming though. I saw that one coming. I've been saying this. I'm, I'm not a Green Book hater. But I understand the Green Book hate. Yeah. So Green Book beat out Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, as well as Vice. Then... No, I'm just saying, are you leading up to the big one? Because well, it's funny I'll, that people I got make a whole fun bunch of Green here. Book, right? You know, like when people are upset, I'm going to be so upset if that happens. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, <laughs> I think we can for, do one better. <laughs> for best motion picture drama... The somewhat controversial Bohemian Rhapsody won ahead of the presumptive favorite A Star is Born, as well as Black Panther or Black Klansman. Uh, A Star is Born ended up only picking up one award all night with Shallow winning for Best Original Song. Both Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga lost in the acting categories. Cooper lost to Bohemian Rhapsody's Rami Malek in Best Actor Drama. And uh, Gaga lost to Glenn Close for That's The crazy. Wife, a movie that I'm not entirely sure exists still, but I, we could get to that later. Yeah. Uh, Art, let's start with the big picture stuff. Okay. Yay or nay, the biggest surprise of the night was Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody taking home the big awards. Bo- Bohemian Rhapsody and The Wife. You'd say The Wife? Yes, because you got to think the, picture's, the picture is big. Yeah. But I know people were going for Black Panther. I know people were going for A Star is Born. Um, and to Believe it or not, there were the people we heard them yesterday, you know? <laughs> you know, like when a small team makes it all the way and wins, all of a sudden people realize, oh, y'all have a voice in that state in that town? Yeah. The Bohemian Rhapsody fans made themselves heard. It, it was – there were several ways that it could have gone, even though it blew my mind where it went. Acting-wise, it was all Lady Gaga. Yeah, I mean, I thought we were pretty all unanimous. But even if we were, Glenn Close, mind the pun, wasn't even anywhere near. Yeah, <laughs> where she yeah. was, and then she won. 
No, I mean, so The Wife is a movie that I believe first debuted at last year. Not 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 2018. 2017's Toronto International Film Festival. So this isn't even like a new movie. This has been lingering around for a little while. I don't know anybody who has seen The Wife. I got you, Mr. 415 over here. I got you. Sorry, I know one I person <laughs> who has seen The Wife. So I'm not entirely sure that this is like a real thing, but she picked up a Golden Globe for it. And granted, like, you know, she she's definitely like the legacy contender. Uh, she was in the running, I want to say like half a decade ago for Albert Nobbs, uh, another movie that not a lot of people saw, but she got an Oscar nomination for. This might really be, uh, she might really be a contender though. If, if no. Can you imagine if she is the Bridge of Spies? This year, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't completely shock me, is all I'm saying. It, Glenn Close, it, you know, it's one of those, like, we like you, we like your career, we like all the stuff you've done. Yeah. I'm sure there's people who would vote for her who haven't even heard of The Wife. That makes no sense to me. I, I still don't think that that's going to play out. I think it was a fluke for the Golden Globes, just like a majority. That's of the possible thing too, because Golden Globes, uh, Golden Globes is voted on by like eighty or so people, and the Academy is about eight thousand people big. So it's yeah. a, a much. It's a lot easier to uh, really think the Hollywood foreign press. Have you noticed that? Thank you, the Academy. No one knows, right? No one right, knows who right. they're thinking. They just say the Academy. But you know, if you hear it, right? When they win the yeah. award, they say thank you for impress. They're thinking of a name. They're thinking yeah. of the barbecue or something. They know the people on that press. Mm -hmm. I don't trust it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the Golden Globes are definitely a little shadier, I'd say. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it sort of puts a little bit of a uh, damper, I guess, on all of this. Now you know, all of this can't be taken. That's that seriously. We don't. Like, I'm so surprised. We say that every year someone comes out and goes, "Wow, we're not. They're canceled," and you then know, they care think, about it next year and next year and next year. I think one of the things that happened this year is that uh, normally we get a lot of we we kind of know what the Oscar front runners are, and they kind of position themselves at the Globes. But yeah. this year we have this weird thing where None of A Star them. is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody, which are both kind of musical movies, decided to compete in drama. drama. And then uh, Green Book, which, you know, I get it. I get why it was in comedy, but it sh probably should be in drama, yet it competes in the comedy category. Uh, uh, the Roma, which is one of the big awards contenders, not competing in either, either. of those categories because it's a foreign language film. Yeah. So we have this sort of like weird thing where the nominees are a little bit mixed up. I'm sure there's some weird vote splitting and stuff like that. What was going so. on? Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it was a little weird, but uh, give you the alternate scenario. Bohemian Rhapsody d doesn't win, and Black Panther does. What does that build for the Oscar race? What does that build for the completely different reception a movie like Black Panther would have gotten over Bohemian Rhapsody? You know, I think I think that's the kind of thing where people would st say Black Panther's a legitimate contender for yeah. the Oscars if that were to happen. Uh, that being said, I hear some people saying that Bohemian Rhapsody is a legitimate contender for the Oscars now. I don't know if that's the case. But it, it's the kind of thing where I think it would have been, it, as much as people are making a big deal of Bohemian Rhapsody winning, it would have been like an exponentially larger story had Black Panther won with just as many people complaining about it, but a lot of people also celebrating it too. Yeah. 
Vice was a comedy, right? They put it as a comedy. Yeah, they put it as a comedy, that's and why, again, that's probably like maybe that could compete as a drama. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm just saying because it was two males, and uh, Christian Bale got one. Yeah, he Who got the Rami best beat? actor in a comedy. And what do you feel about Rami winning? So, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, I, again, haven't seen that one, so I can't really be that specific in my uh, talk about it. I've, all the clips I've seen, that doesn't really look like an Oscar-winning performance to me. It's one of those where it's like, you know, like uh, Tom Hardy Venom? Yeah. That's how I feel with it. It's like, man, I've been watching you since you were King Tut, since you were <laughs> butt-naked in Need for Speed. Yeah. Then you went crazy in Mr. Robot. Yeah. Are you, are you the best he's, one? He looks like he's doing a lot in that movie, and I don't know if I, I'm always a I've fan said of he doing looks a like the, lot. He looks like the duck from roles. Chicken Little. That's all. That's what I've been thinking. But who else was nominated there that you think got uh, snubbed in his uh, for category? best actor drama? Yeah. I mean, personally, I thought this was Bradley Cooper's category to lose. Uh, I said the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm still surprised that I guess because the Hollywood Foreign Press hasn't seen First Reformed that. Uh, Ethan Hawke didn't get any uh, attention whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that because the Globes end up dividing the actors, and this is kind of like a somewhat weak year for Best Actor, I don't know how many real contenders there were. I personally would rather give it to John David Washington and Black Klansman than Rami Malek, uh, but I don't know if we live in a world where that's going to happen. Never happened, no, 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 no. Willem Dafoe maybe is a contender again. Yeah. Kind of is that like for Aquaman? Yeah, he was career. Yeah, but yeah, to me, I mean, I'm just stunned it wasn't Bradley Cooper who won it because he's not only so good in *The Star Is Born*, but I feel like being the director yeah. of the film gives him extra credit for acting yeah, in it. I would agree, even, even if that necessarily shouldn't be well, the case. You know the problem with it, right? No, it's that with the Hollywood Foreign Press. They only had 99 people in the room. Right. So, right. That, so that one was missing. Oh. Uh, so, Art, the Oscar predictions website Gold Derby currently has A Star is Born as their film that's most likely to win Best Picture at the Oscars, but given its poor showing at the Golden Globes, yay or nay, A Star is Born should no longer be the frontrunner many people thought it was. Golden Globes is nothing but a party for, for them to go celebrate this stuff. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if anything, the fact that A Star is Born didn't do well at the Globes is good for A Star is Born because this is a movie that came out, I want to say, what, October? October like, 5th? It's, it's been in the public consciousness for a little while now. I think it's kind of died down as people have seen some other movies and maybe got excited about other stuff. Grammy contender. And, yeah, well, it got the Grammy now, but, like, what I'm saying is I think the fact that it got a lack of recognition from the Globes is going to hopefully spur people on who really love A Star is Born to campaign for it again, the whereas they the might other. have been, like, a little a little complacent beforehand. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, they came in a little too cocky to the fight. They probably did. And now they it's probably like... Did. Uh, you know, at, at the Golden Globes, Lady Gaga didn't even say anything when Shallow won for Best Song. I think they were probably expecting her to have a speech later in the night. When Wait, she, did she really not actress. say anything? No, they, Mark Ronson had the whole speech. Screw but, Mark you know, Ronson. I think, You've had enough. I, but I'm pretty sure they expected her to get her own speech for Best yeah. Actress later that night. We'll see. <laughs> Zoinks. <laughs> 
the Writers Guild revealed their annual nominees for Best Screenplay, with 8th Grade, Green Book, A Quiet Place, Roma, and Vice making the cut in Best Original, whereas Best Adapted went to Black Klansman, Black Panther, Can You Ever Forgive Me, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star Is Born, Art, Yay or Nay, these were the best written films of 2018. The favorite was on there? Uh, the favorite may... No, actually, the favorite's not on here. I think it was... Was it one of the ones that was ineligible? Maybe? Yeah. No. The Writers Guild isn't looking for the best ones. It's looking for the ones who paid their dues to the Writers Guild, who has done what the Writers Guild wants. Isn't that crazy? We're not... It's funny that it's called the Writers Guild Award, but it's not necessarily the best written movie. It's the one that first has to fit its confinement... And then we'll discuss whether it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting in that There's you weird don't necessarily get... There's weird that have nothing to do with writing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I think the place where, to me, this sort of is a little bit odd is Roma. Like, Roma is a really stunning movie. Oh, can we talk about it? In a lot of ways, <laughs> I'm not sure that its screenplay is one of the things that makes Roma so great. gave it to them so in the great. morning. Sorry, say that one more time. He gave it to them in the morning. They didn't know their lines. Right, He said right. it, that the biggest push was how... Uh, he said, I didn't even feel like I was directing. I feel like I was cheating because they did all the work. Oh, he wasn't saying because of how great actresses they are, and they are great actresses. It's because he literally had them improvise. <laughs> Those are the most interesting ones for me. Like, remember American House got nominated. Did it win? I can't remember if it did, but that, that's the funniest part about it because most of it is improv. So I just looked it up, and uh, apparently, sorry to bother you. The favorite hereditary. Yeah, I remember that. Because sorry to bother all... you is one of the best written movies of of the yeah, year. Yeah, sorry to bother you for me is the one that I immediately thought of. I was hoping would be eligible, uh, but you know, if you can't include all of those, maybe First Reformed and Tully instead of Roma should be in there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, and I love is... Roma. It's just, it's just you can't you can't get them both. You can't praise one aspect of the movie but then also want to praise another one and it's like you're contradicting yeah you can't yourself. say it's like it feels really loosely scripted yeah and that's that was really one of the great. things that i really started thinking of with with the golden globes and with the oscars as well can you really nominate a director and not the actors i think you can nominate the actors and not the director but a director is literally his proof is within the directors within the uh, actors in the movie they're yeah, but the director's job is bigger than the actors too it's the that's the biggest part of a director's job though Acting? That is the number I, one thing a director has to deal with, is that. He's got the line producer, he's got everybody else. Director's got a lot of thing. jobs. They do got, a lot, got jobs, a lot of but jobs, but what I'm saying is that one of the biggest things that, that would be noticed is the acting. I, I think good acting is a great way Why to Why does Barkhad Abdi get nominated and my girl from Roma doesn't? I, yes, I think that good acting can definitely All I'm uh, saying. allude to or, or point to good direction. I'll give you that. Anyway, the American Society of Cinematographers announced their nominees for this year's Best Shot Films, and making the cut were Roma, A Star is Born, The Favorite, First Man, and Cold War Art. Were these the five Best Shot Films of 2018? Um, I'm sure that there's some better ones. I really like how Hereditary was shot with a lot of the natural lighting and the way they made the trees look, but those seven are really good. Yeah, like, like yeah, I don't see how a, you, even if your favorite one wasn't mentioned, like those are those. That's a solid seven. 
It's a really, it's a really uh, solid list. For me, I'm very surprised to not see if Beale Street could talk on there. That's a good one. I thought that was one of the best shot films of the year. I'm less surprised, like you, about Hereditary, uh, being that it's a horror movie. I feel like generally they don't make lists like this. But yeah, I mean, Roma, A Star is Born, The Favorite, First Man, Cold War. I, I can't really complain about any of those. They're all really, really beautiful to look at. Uh, that's it for yay or nay. So we're going to get to the interview and answer some leftover questions that we haven't gotten to yet. Vincenzo asked us, with all the recommendations that you guys get, how do you choose which shows and movies to watch? I know for me, uh, film Twitter is kind of one of the hugest things. If I hear about something over and over again on film Twitter, then it's just going to... That's, to me something I need to catch up with. It's in the dialogue. People are, are talking about it for a reason, you know? I mean, well, I'm usually trying to catch up on everything. It's usually TV shows that I get the recommendation for. And then yeah. that's where... Because, like, the movies I'm usually up to date with, but it's it's a TV show gets mentioned, and I'll have other ones. Depending the more that I hear about it, it usually will get pushed up. Uh, like you, which is what I talked about earlier. Right, right. And the thing is that, like... You don't. You, when you get a recommendation, you don't always know that your taste is going to line up with the person who's. Oh recommending man, it. I get that. But so when much, yeah. you get a recommendation several times, that tends to tell you that it's it's hitting a lot of people. It might hit you as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Vincenzo also wanted to know what has been your favorite film to decode and analyze. Uh, for me, there's two movies that came to mind. Memento is a movie that I devoted a 12-page paper to in high school, just talking about the ways in, that the nonlinear aspects of that movie kind of hack your brain. I think it's brilliant. Uh, and then also Mad Max Fury Road. I just I mm. love the way that that's like a you know jigsaw puzzle of a movie. How yep. how every shot, every movement is sort of reverberated and and and, and and leads to something else. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine action movie. I, I love Mad Max Fury Road. I agree with you. Um, in terms of this year, easily. Annihilation, Sorry to Bother You, and Hereditary. Those three, I think, were the, were the most interesting movies to dissect. And I'm still dissecting to this day. I still have great conversations yeah. about Annihilation. Um, Sorry to Bother You, I think, is a classic. I think I've only scratched the surface on what that has. And Hereditary. Um, I had a conversation with my mom the other day because she hates horror movies. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like the mental stuff. And we were kind of having a conversation about, um, like, spirits and stuff like that. You know, like, religious people, they believe, um, as my mom very much is, uh, of spiritual warfare type stuff. We were just talking about a fiddle on the roof beforehand as well. And they have spiritual warfare that yeah. happens there. Um, and we are having that conversation. And I was like, you know... I think you would really like this movie. No, I wouldn't. It has this. So what do you think about this in real life, though? Oh, yeah, 100% that exists. Well, that's kind of what Hereditary is saying. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. be having conversations about Hereditary for a while is what I'm saying. I, um, but overall, absolutely. yeah, Cloverfield, I think, is one of the ones that really yeah. got me into a whole other aspect of it. Marketing. Uh, yeah, that's a huge one. Anyone who's seen any of my videos, uh, that, that's m massive. Totally. Shivam asked us, what is a movie that you enjoyed when you saw it in theaters, but on rewatch, do you realize it was terrible? Uh, for me, oh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know if terrible is the word that I'll go with, but 
I enjoyed the first Amazing Spider-Man when I saw that one in theaters. I went with a buddy of mine who's a big comics guy, a big Marvel guy. You were feeding uh, off he, of him. And, and yeah, I, I fed off that energy. He's, he's British and moved to America to boot, so he was like, oh, man, Andrew Garfield. Like, he's a, a Brit like me, and he was yeah. really, in, you know, so, I mean... I think that Amazing Spider-Man, you know, it also has a lot of the elements of the first Raimi film. So in that way, it's like, oh, this is exciting, like those beats in the Raimi film. And you don't think as much in the moment about the ways in which it's kind of just like a, the good elements are just kind of carbon copied. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely like that less uh, as I have revisited it. I also liked uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk when I first saw that at... 3 a.m. No, so, at the so, New York so, Film sir, Festival. Sir, you need to explain to these people what that thing is. <laughs> no one knows what <laughs> yeah. that movie is. See, uh, Billy Lynn's half, Long Halftime Walk was once <laughs> a Oscar contender, and then people saw it. Uh, it All is 64 frames? <laughs> 68? Yeah, yeah, Ang Lee shot this in this crazy high frame rate for some reason, and it just it looks video gamey and wrong and weird and... And there's not really much reason for it to be shot that yeah. way. I don't, I don't and know. Tom Cruise had to come out and tell you, turn that effect off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, seeing it at a festival, you kind of get excited because you're in the premier audience and Ang Lee is here. Look, it's Ang Lee. And, and then yeah. I kind of like slept on it and realized I didn't really like much about that movie at all. Everybody wants them. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that was the Richard Linklater one. I think that was the follow-up to Boyhood, no? Yep, caught it at the music box. Uh, the whole cast of the dudes were there. Jam-packed crowd. Everyone was laughing with it. I loved it. I thought it was a masterpiece. Rewatched it again with my brother, and he was like, all that hyped up that you had about how funny this was, how this was like us as the Sandlot kids if we all went to college? No. <laughs> and I sat there, I was like, the jokes didn't hit as much? Right, right. Oh, here comes the funny part, but it wasn't as funny if everybody because it's a completely different from a jam-packed house to just three pairs yeah. of two in the theater and i think that's a that's a thing with a comedy too is sometimes a comedy really feeds off the energy of a crowd yep. and like to watch movies? it in a quiet room yep. yes it's it's just not quite the same yes sir uh shivam's question other question is similar to austin's question from our previous interview section so i'm gonna bring that back what movie did you have the biggest shift of opinion on between your first viewing and your most recent viewing? So since this is like kind of similar to the last question, uh, I'm going to kind of say let's go in the opposite direction. Movies that you didn't love at first but have come to love. Uh, and maybe if you want to think about it a little bit, for me, I know that two movies that I saw in the theater uh, that I thought were good but I couldn't wrap my head around fully were A Serious Man and There Will Be Blood. They're two of the densest movies uh, that have been made recently. They, there's so much to, subtext and there's so much thematic stuff going on. There's so much to think about in these movies. And I just don't know if I was able to absorb it all uh, on my first viewing. I, I was a little bit, you know, confounded by both. There's just so much there. And I've come to love both of those movies since then choice good kid mad city by kendrick lamar it does say short film on the album cover yeah that's, re- a, that's an amazing album it's a great choice thank you thank you zach thank you i yeah. know um 
I, I did not like it when it came out. I thought the voices were dumb. Really? I didn't understand what he was going for. I was like, this really isn't for me. I didn't like the sound. I'm a complete and utter idiot buffoon. That is a masterpiece. That is a classic album. It's already a classic, without a doubt. You can go back and listen to it. Money Trees is the best song on the album. Nobody, that's yes. just how it is. Oh, I love right? Money Trees. Thank you. Money I, Trees. I, I really love uh, Backseat Freestyle as well. I oh guess my gosh, I... incredible. Art of Peer Pressure. Dude, no, the whole thing is a jam-packed classic. It really is a short film. It's a beginning, middle, and end story. Of uh, th- speaking of which, if you, I, I've been recommending podcasts for you on your road trip adventures. Yeah. Have you heard of Dissect? So Dissect is an interesting podcast where every season the host takes apart an album, song by song. Ooh. So the first season of the show is just looking at Good Kid, Mad City. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been saving Good Kid. I binged all of Kanye's discography. I was in Wyoming. And I, just, yeah. I started with Yeah and I went through all of them. And we were almost to Seattle. I was like, I can't play it yet. Why? Because we were about to hit Compton and everything in a little bit. I wanted to save the album. Right, you right. know what I mean? I want to save it up a little you gotta bit. Do it in its proper environment. So, what better way than to hear this podcast and then just blast Money Trees when I enter? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no, really. Season me, two of the show is about my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Really? Yes. And I think season three is about Frank Ocean's Blonde. Could be wrong on that. Oh, should have been on the other one, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I, that is 100% one of the things that I look back and I was completely and utterly wrong. Swimming pools. The whole message in swimming pools and the iron Ooh. and the irony of how people use that song yeah. when it's saying something completely different. Uh, that would be the, the biggest project where I, I, I literally, I was just like, ah, I just don't get it. It's not for me. Then I, and this wasn't and because I love Section 80. I still argue that Section 80 is up there. Um, but no, they, this is I, I don't think there's been an album as good since. Somebody else wants to at me, let me know. I, I think that is the best rap album that has come out since. I'm not going to argue with you there. Uh, we didn't get to this one last time, but our last question is from Cheyenne, who hit us up on Twitter asking what our favorite 80s and 90s movies are. Uh, I'm listed a few in alphabetical order because I'm a nerd, but uh, Amadeus, Blood Simple, Do the Right Thing, uh, Election, Fargo, Fight Club, Groundhog Day, LA Confidential, Rushmore, Seven, and The Usual Suspects. Those are, uh, for me, movies that I feel like are foundational in my love of film. Yep. Uh, Goodfellas? Oh, so yeah, I want to say it's 1990. Obviously, Toy Story, as my bias comes for Pixar and, and what I grew up with. Um, I've said Goodfellas. I'm blinking on another one that's in the early 90s. So I'm just going to stick to those two at the, at the moment. <laughs> Even though there's a the, bunch the, more. The, the only 90s movies you've Oh, Shawshank. Shawshank, I would say. Oh, I okay, put another yeah. one. Unforgiven, I didn't even like. But it was the first time that I got the idea of an actor being able to be a director. And like how well received that was. Do you know right. what I mean? So it's like. Yeah, yeah, I was, it came out when I was born. But when I was getting into Clint Eastwood. Because I. Clint Eastwood himself would have been another big one. So all of the ones that I'm not really going to mention in The Line of Fire and all the other movies that people may not know, um, yeah. I would attribute Unforgiven because that won the Oscar. And that was the first time that I was like, what? Did, y'all can swip, swatch roles? But he's also in the movie. <laughs> Zach, how does that work? Yeah. And now yeah. we got Bradley Cooper. Yeah, now it's like a normal. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's an everyday thing. 
So. Especially Sundance. You're going to see a lot of that. That's all we're, we're going to see. see. A lot of that. We're gonna, yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, that's it for the interview. Let us know if you've got questions that you'd like to see us answer on future episodes of Intercut by leaving them in the comments down below or hitting us up on social media at Intercut Pod. You can uh, send us a tweet or leave us a comment on Instagram or message us on Facebook. Any of that works. Yep. Intercutpod at gmail.com. That works too if you want to get your question answered on the Intercut podcast. We're going to get to our topic of the week. And this week's topic are the best TV shows of 2018. Our previous episode, we talked about our favorite movies of the year. It took a lot longer than this list will hopefully take. We're going to yeah. uh, keep it, I think, to our top It was fun, though. Five. It was fun. It was yes, fun. Yeah. it was a fun podcast. I know a lot of you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, we had uh, fun. Yeah, we, we had <laughs> All fun. six hours of recording. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if you want to get this list started with any honorable mentions or uh, shows that didn't make it into your top five, but that you enjoyed in 2018. Yeah. So let me start out by saying Pose was getting a lot of love towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, That's one of the ones that I missed as well. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Show. I mean like that I missed it. Pose, uh, the Giovanni Versace one. I was that waiting. I got to... a lot of love at the Golden Globes. Yeah, I was waiting. I, to... I didn't watch it. Yeah, I didn't think much of it. I was just going to reserve it, get my own time, not even make a video on it. Because I enjoyed OJ and, and I yeah. thought this was going to be good. So I was like, oh, what? I guess it's still a bigger contender than I thought. Um, Killing Eve, I, I, I've, we're only halfway through it, but I think it's very interesting. Her, uh, Sandra O oh, winning... Yeah, uh, Vincenzo asked us uh, actually if we uh, were up on Killing Eve, and no, unfortunately, not yet. Yeah, well, uh, I'm but like I think six we're episodes. both trying to be. Yeah, I'm trying to just look over here to see some of the other ones that may be going into it for me. Uh, Glow, this season of Glow, I think was better, but I wouldn't put it in my top five. Um, the Haunting of Hill House is also not one that I would put in my top five, but I would put it in there. Do we count the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two? I feel like season one, I think I just watched season one at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah, so um, then I wouldn't put that one. I would then put forever. Yeah, yeah. So those would be, I guess, my honorable mentions. Cool. Uh, For me, I I saw a lot of TV in 2018. I liked a lot of TV in 2018. Uh, I want to give shout-outs to... Uh, the end of the fucking world. One day at the time. T- one day at a time. Season two. Forever. F is for family. Season three. Season one and two of Queer Eye. Uh, mm-hmm. The most recent season of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Glow, like you, almost made my top ten. Uh, and then the shows that did not make my top five, but were in my top ten, were uh, Big Mouth, The Good Place, High Maintenance, Haunting hey. of Hill House. And unfortunately, uh, BoJack season five, I, I, I got that as the number six slot on my best shows of 2018. It's the lowest I've ever that. put BoJack. Hey, I ain't even mentioned BoJack this season. Oh, yeah. We, that's a, that's yeah, we followed, yeah, that's another discussion. We'll talk about that in court. Uh, yeah, so what's your <laughs> number five then? Uh, so my number five is a, no- a show that I know you liked. I'm expecting it to show up on your list. It's the first season of Homecoming. Sam Esmail directed show with Julia yes, Roberts yes, yes, and yes, Stephen yes. James and Bobby Cannavale. The uh, mystery thriller-ish kind of show taking place in a facility with soldiers returning home. You know, there's just Very this good. really amazing kind of like 
lingering question about what's going on that they I think a lot of shows that try to be mysterious about things like that either give you too much information too quickly or, or not enough information and make you watch for five seasons until yep. you get bored. This had the perfect slow drip of information where you're getting closer, but you're, you it was don't giving have all the you information before you even knew it was giving you information. Yes, and, and that's a really smart that's a good show. show when it can do something like that. Not to mention just how beautifully it was directed by Sam Esmail and all the music they use. I, and it's just one of the most pristine shows I think of uh, 2000. This is him taking a break too, right? Like this is like yeah, he's in between, is, right? This is the palette off season from Mr. Robot. From Mr. Yeah. Robot, or whatever the next big thing is. And he's married to Emmy Rose. Man, number five, I have what I believe is going to be really high on your list: Atlanta season two. But I have an excuse for yep. this for those who would say that it needs to be number one. Um, I have only seen I've seen the first season. Zach knows this. We binged a whole bunch of episodes, not in chronological order to how they come out. Um, and it just barely got released on Hulu. He yes. had them all DVR, so it was easy for us to watch. And I saw some that I was like, I don't know what the heck or how this correlates to a season two type story. The barbershop episode was hilarious. The uh, Teddy Perkins episode. Haunting. <laughs> uh, what was the other one we saw? Uh, did we watch Alligator Man? Or did yes, we, watch... we, we, we got uh, a little bit to it. That the, was the one with... Uh, with Pat Williams. Yeah, and he doesn't want to let him in the house because he got an alligator. Yeah, like yeah. stuff that... At this point, it just became an anthology story of the town of Atlanta. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what Atlanta is. It's an anthology series almost. From episode yeah. to episode within the same people, you're just jumping from a different scenario. Uh, so because I haven't finished the whole thing, I had included in my top five because that's how good what I watched had, but I haven't finished the whole thing yet, so... Number That's five perfectly me. reasonable. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, number four is a show that we both loved, American Vandal season two. Uh, this, you know, I think that the the surprise of the first season is Too hard good. to contend with. But this was a really interesting follow up and managed, good. managed to expand the show and bring it in some different directions while staying true to the formula that made it great, which is just taking a completely ludicrous, filthy idea and treating it filthy. completely seriously. Um, the, just, it's the ways that it is able to parody the true crime genre, which is obviously like a huge, huge genre right now, as well as the ways that it actually kind of has some societal commentary. It's just a show that's much smarter than it needs to be, much smarter than I think anybody expected it to be. Yep. Uh, and I, I love it. I'm sad to see it go. Uh, American Vandal season two. Four is above six, right? Yes. Okay, I'm just saying, because we had a conversation earlier in the year, and you were very adamant that one show was better than the other, just because it goes four, five, six. I believe that is how you count numbers. I'm an anti-intellectual, so sometimes I forget. True, but the, <laughs> I think five is still more than two. My number four of this year is a little show called Barry. Yes, very good, very good. Um, actually, this is higher. I don't have a number four. This is technically my number three. Barry season <laughs> one and the trailer to number two I have as uh, four, four and three. Well, Barry is my number three also, so I guess right. we're... Uh... Oh, well, then, boom, we go to it. I, what I was actually going to mention, I guess I wasn't sure if I had it as number five or it would have been a, um, uh honorable mention, Dear White People season two. Because oh, cool. I, I keep forgetting that that was this year. That's how long yeah. ago that was. Um, yeah. 
I, I would have had that. So I guess bump that up to number five. My last one would have been four. So we're at number three. Atlanta. We agree with it. Barry. Uh, Barry let's talk yes. about it. Some of the best so, shots. Absolutely. The I mean, you know, I think when you tell me it's a show with Bill Hader playing a hitman, I don't envision a show that's nearly as complicated, yep. as dark, or as visually stunning as this show is. Mm -hmm. But the way that they take that premise super, super seriously and still find comedy in it, it is just, like, shocking. Like, I'm continually stunned by how they it's pull good. it off. And I have no idea what they're going to do when this show comes back. But I, I love that first season. That That's we talked about this before, but that is like a perfect season of television. Yeah, you're the one who got me onto it. That was that's why I watched the Intercom podcast. Very great recommendations. Uh, no, season one was dope, and it's so interesting to see how many people like you, which is what we've been talking about. This is the better, darker version of that. Season two of you, as I read over with the book, has some very interesting moments where a serial killer is faced with some acting courses in L.A. that really has to make him look at his season one of Barry. The, what, the best part of Barry is that where he doesn't want to show emotions, but he's doing an acting course to become human. People are watching yeah. you. Y'all got to watch Barry. Yeah, I mean, and there's some really amazing moments in which, you know, the complications of his career, his hitman career, help him in his acting career. Yes. It, I, I really love this show. Mm -hmm. I hope more people catch up with it because it's, it was. A stunning show. I mean, yes. yeah. It, Bill Hader's baby, and of course, it's got our boy who came in and directed a couple of episodes as well. Hiro Murai. Uh, so that's your number three. That's my number three. My number two is Succession. Uh, this is the hour-long comedy drama from uh, HBO. This is written by Jesse Armstrong, and I think Adam McKay did the pilot. It's a look at the the life of this family that is in charge of one of the in charge of a multi-billion dollar company and just the turmoil with balancing family life and this company and the ways in which not very competent people sometimes get responsible for very very big situations uh, it, it's a really hilarious send-up of this capitalist culture of this corporate culture of the way in which this family kind of has has been their family life has been disrupted by a need to sign NDAs when they just have private discussions. I, I think there's a lot of stuff that's really really fun about the show. It's also very well acted, and uh, given that it's got that HBO money, just the, some of the scenery and settings that they go to are, are gorgeous here. So yeah, I I think this is a show that will probably get more popular as it goes on. I know a lot of people kind of the didn't catch season it. Two, or, season three bump. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are going to need to catch up with it on streaming, but catch up with it now before it comes back. I think this is a this is going to be one of the big shows in not too yeah. long. I remember you recommended it to me. Uh, yeah. I only got I've only had the first episode, but I'm excited because you said it was got like an officey type thing where it's like I'd it's a lot it's like more a, comedic than it actually comes off as. I'd say it's like a really highbrow version of The Office. Yeah. In that like. The ways in it, it's the the ways in which it's funny kind of in the margins. It's not so much yeah. that it's funny when they say something. It's funny to see how everybody reacts to the thing that's said. Yeah, no, I'm excited to watch that one. That was one of the ones uh, that because H HBO came out with a lot of smaller shows. You know, they didn't mm -hmm. have the big Game of Thrones or, or, or like this big bigger one like that, but they had um, 
Succession, they had Sharp Objects, they had a bunch of the other little, like, smaller miniseries. Uh, so. Barry, we talked about, a High Maintenance I brought up earlier. I've been really interested to check out a show called Random Acts of Flyness that ha- got a lot of hype, but I've never, uh, I haven't seen that one yet, okay. so that's not on my I list. I haven't seen that one, no. Homecoming. Two. Homecoming. Okay, cool, I've cool. been arguing between this being my number one and what is actually my number one. Homecoming is incredible. Homecoming yeah. is what I told you made me see Amazon as a contender too. And it's been a contender. But we haven't really been keeping it as a contender. You know what I mean? Netflix yeah. and chill is a word. Let's go watch Netflix. <laughs> That's a thing. A- Amazon Prime? Let's go Prime Yeah. They, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't go with Prime Time. That would have been like, yeah, let's, like let's that. check it out. I don't, I don't think they time. can. That's the thing, right? Um, this show is incredible. And uh, Stefan James, that man. Yeah, yeah. Talk about having incredible a great year. Incredible year with this and Beale Street. Um, he's going to be a star. Yeah. Julia Roberts, that lady's going to be a star. <laughs> She's uh, an up-and-comer. The music, the cinematography, I just saw. I don't know what montage it was where I saw the scene of the ratios. Yeah, man. I mean, as th- fans of Mommy. Some, you know, that's the thing is like, uh, TV often gets flack for, you know, not being cinematic. You can't really say that about this show. This show is a cinematic piece of television. Do you, does the ending not re- like? Did the ending hit you as hard as it hit me? At the di- I, yeah, I mean, I had to watch it again. I watched it make three sure times. I saw what that I saw. little bit. Yeah. Yes, to to see what you see. Yeah, that's it's, where it's, it's great, implementing it's things since thing. episode one. But that the biggest punch of the show isn't this big and da da. It's the smallest thing that you remember happening at the beginning, bro. That wrecked me. Mm-hmm. I'm having mm-hmm. Alina rewatch it, and I'm waiting for that moment. Yeah. I like there was one of those moments. It's so small. No one, no one is willing to to risk that in a show, to build yeah. up your show for that to be the thing. Right. No. It, it reminded me of. Um... If you remember in Breaking Bad when they had that one season that ended on the Lily of the Valley or whatever, that, that slow pull yes. into the, the, the flower. Yes. And it's like, you're not even thinking, why, you're like, why is they showing me, why are they showing me uh-huh. this flower? And then it all comes together. It's like, this is important. This tells me about something big that just yes. happened. Right. That is, this is better than that because I think that's not only conveying information, the emotion that comes from that, the yeah. hope it gives you for characters who aren't real, <laughs> yeah, that you want to see in season two is incredible. You saw the post credit scene, right? The yes, show has a yes. post credit scene. Man, I got some theories with the whole scenario. Man, the there. roller, the roller. Yeah, it's crazy. It's good. Oh, and also, uh, you know, best friends with Bobby Carnavale. I want to go support my man uh, in the best Broadway show out there, which is the lifespan of a fact. Also starring Mr. Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, he was incredible. To see what's going to happen with that storyline and um, what's her name? Hong Chow. Who we <laughs> are so glad she had a much better year than uh, – she upsized. That's what yes. she did. Yeah. Um, she was incredible in that just like she was in the episode of Forever that we were gushing about not too long ago. So, dude, now that ending, that subtle little yeah. ending yeah. had, had uh, one of the biggest impacts this year. I am very excited for a second season Why is Atlanta season two your favorite? So Atlanta season two is my favorite show of 2018. 
because I never know what to expect from that show and those I've people. never seen you get so giddy off of an episode I know you've seen like five times. Yes. And I'm at this man's yes. house, and he is so excited. I said, Zach, we can do anything. We are staying at home. And, and we're we are watching, watching Teddy, Teddy Perkins. Perkins. <laughs> Teddy, that is a bizarre 40 minutes of television. Bro, that you is, were it, on the edge of your seat for like the ninth time. I know you've seen it. And I'm over here like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. I, yeah, I, and it, I agree it, with you. It's just... It's a really compelling show. It benefits from rewatch because every line you can tell has been considered. And is there's all these funny little jokes that you don't even think about. Uh, my favorite thing in Teddy Perkins is when he's just listing dads that are going to go in his dad museum and talking about uh, notably bad like show business dads like Marvin Gaye's father <laughs> and Joe Jackson and the guy who drops Emilio Estevez off in the breakfast club <laughs> like it's stuff like that that just goes by yeah. that you don't even hear it the first time that makes Atlanta so great to me um, so yeah I mean you know, you mentioned that anthology aspect, but what's also great is that while every episode feels like its own little thing that you can watch and put away and you don't necessarily need context to know what's going on within the episode, when you do have context and you are able to follow the building plot lines and the ways in which uh, Atlanta does build its story of season two along uh, these different episodes, it, it hits that much, har much harder. Uh, it does this really amazing job of giving you both short-term and long-term stories uh, in a satisfying way. Uh, and I just think uh, it's hilarious in ways that you never expect it to be. Mm -hmm. And it's dramatic in, way in ways that are really powerful. I just, I'm consistently amazed by Atlanta. It, it might be my favorite piece of media from 2018. Damn, over movies. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm all for ranking the stuff like that. Some of the, one of the best stories. Uh, yeah, that's all. I, to me, it's all the collaboration between Hiro Murai and uh, the Glover brothers. Because I don't think enough Absolutely. credit goes to uh, Donald's Steven brother. Glover. Yeah, he's he's and, writing. And Stephanie Robinson, who writes a lot of episodes, is yeah. also no, really great for that bro, show. And they're like, you remember when the whole thing with uh, the Deadpool show came out where FX was like, oh, uh, the, no, that's not coming out because, um, well, he's Donald's really busy. busy. Donald rolled up a six-page draft morning of and said, busy where? Busy, bu busy how? Yeah, He was they, like on I the mean, set of The Lion King, too. Yeah, they're like oozing with creativity. It, it's crazy. I, I'm... So in awe of those people. Uh, Hiro Mirai, you know, once he gets his own movies and stuff, he's going to be a problem. Which, so he, that was going to mention that. We got that trailer to that. We got Atlanta season two, but just this year alone, right? This is America. Yeah. Hosting Saturday Night Live and really taking over a majority of the skits, which is what he came, came in to do. Being uh, everybody's favorite part of Solo. Solo. Atlanta season two does an entire tour. Bro, man had a big year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Working on The Lion King. Yeah. He wants to be the he, new Kanye. That he, hey, he sees there's an opening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I heard 21 Savage just called him like. Uh, yeah, that's right. He said Andre, monster. Like the new Andre 3000 or something. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. That's good. That's an honor. <laughs> Art, what is your favorite show of 2018? Or, or rather, why is it American Vandal? 
It's actually not American Vandal. Oh, it's not. It it's didn't make your top five. American, it did not make my top five. American Vandal would have been probably seven or eight. Ooh, how about this one for a loop over here? Zach, there is the okay. show. Right. Uh, this is a new, <laughs> new discovery of yours. <laughs> this is so new. You guys are going to think I'm kidding. Maybe I've lost it. There is a show on Cartoon Network, of all places, called The Amazing World of Gumballs. Six seasons, 200 and something episodes, but they're only 11 minutes each, Zach. And the first episode that I, I had seen is a bit of it, and it piqued my interest. I said, why has nobody told me about this show? Is this show really this crazy? Uh, and it, it was like a bit that they did that was the humor in it was clearly not meant for kids, and they knew it. Like, yes. the, the, the scene was flexing on the fact that it was getting over kids' heads. So I binge-watched a couple episodes right before I came back home. And they have an episode <clears throat> about a robot, like an Amazon Echo, who they give instructions to, and it has to follow it to a T. Protect me at all costs. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Boom. Starts hitting people because it needs to protect that at all costs. It's this crazy machine that says, okay, don't hurt anyone. Okay, I won't hurt anyone. Then I must kill humans because humans are in of themselves going to annihilate. It's 2001 A Space Odyssey retold by this cartoon, Zach. When that hit me at the end and I realized that, oh my goodness, this is a video essay. They just literally explained to you in, in for a kid what 2001 A Space Odyssey is and why he couldn't lay let Dave do what he did. I saw you uh, talk about this being better than Rick and Morty. Those are some fighting words for the internet. There it goes. Took it. What do you talk? Easily. Easily. There ain't no pickle Ricks. And if there is a pickle Rick, right? That joke that you, you're just going to go for it. You know what Rick and Morty does. They sit there. They let it marinate. Oh, y'all don't like it. Well, you're going to like it. I'm pickle Rick. Yeah. I'm going to continue to say I'm pickle Rick. The entire episode is about Pickle Rick. Now, they'll give you your Pickle Rick and then, and then next one. Now, I like, like, they are just, and they it's not, it's not whatever ghost sticks. It's there. They know they're giving you a gem that they should do the Eminem pause for <laughs> to let the, to let the bar hit. Yeah. And they don't, they know what's good. And they're like, nah, we got 10 more. It's not, we're hitting you because we know we're going to get a lot of misses. It's like, we got way too much for you to handle. Bro, I was telling you that other one about the doppelganger. They literally yeah. did the movie us already. So just to be clear, your favorite TV show of 2018 is episodes of The Amazing World of Gumball from 2011. No, because 2018 is their final season. And Zach, I will not be able to talk about the show or put it on any list if it's over. That said, I do agree with you. Some of the best episodes, because I was watching Country Network, <laughs> I don't want from this year. So I started rewatching some of the ones from this year. I'm put, so, it, put it to you this way. I'm going to give you one last note and then we'll, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. That they they, it's the the show is a mixture of two D, three D, stop motion. Pixar whatever, and they all combine into one. It's a trip, Zach. It's a very big trip. <laughs> There's an episode Sounds where like they it. where they got to make a uh, Bigfoot, their friend Bigfoot, really small. So they take his mom, who just happens to have like potions. They take it, they make him small, and he's like, finally, I can fit in with everyone, and I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm just like everybody else. So then they need to make, make him bigger. And they go, well, what if we can't make him bigger? And they try all the potions, nothing works, and then he goes, great, well, what are we supposed to do? And he goes, well, I don't know if we can't make him bigger. Let's just blame it on rap music. Why would we blame it on ma rap music? I don't know. Say it has something to do with the Lils. <laughs> the 
Those are our the favorite best TV shows, shows of 2018. Of 2018. <laughs> Let us know what your favorite TV shows of 2018 oh. were in the comments down below. And please let us know if you've seen The Amazing World of Gumball. <laughs> if you are 12 or older. <laughs> We're going to move on to our last segment, The New to See, where we talk about what's new in theaters, to streaming, and on VOD. Starting with January 11th in theaters, A Dog's Way Home. I loved AKA it. AKA that dog movie with the trailer that tells you everything. Yep. Uh, also, uh, Replicas with Keanu. Keanu. Uh, the Upside used to be called The Untouchables, and then Harvey Weinstein stuff happened. Yeah. And On the Basis of Sex expands to more theaters. Um, then new to streaming, Netflix on January, January 9th, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Take a big... Uh, on January 11th, the s- second season of Friends with College, as well Ooh. as the Netflix original movie movie sex education and then on excuse me and then on january 16th uh an okay movie a pretty good jay-z album american gangster hits netflix okay hbo go on january 12th oceans 8 and then on january 13th is the true detective season (laughs) two premiere Uh, on Amazon Prime Video, not sure if you noticed this, but Beautiful Boy actually popped up. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Amazon Prime Video a few days ago. Yeah. I know I missed it in theaters. I, I know you saw yeah. saw it. So yeah. I might catch up with our boy Timmy. On January 11th, Informer Season 1 hits Prime Video. On January 13th, Excuse me. You get those hiccups. I wanted to say something, but I'm like, I want him to leave it because I want people to leave timestamps down below. Of like, is this man not going to stop for the hiccups at all? <laughs> I thought I, I thought they would stop. I've been trying to see. I was like, Father, who I haven't let this hiccups go away. He's trying to go all the way through. Hey, drink it, man. I'm here. I can I can break the time for you. Uh, Dog's Way Home. Let me give you my review for here. Uh, a little slow beginning. They were showing a lot of the stuff of when it was going to come out. But in the middle, they really started giving you everything you needed to know. And it wraps up nicely. The dog fights its way back home. <laughs> Stream it. Combo price. Combo price. Uh, January 13th on Amazon Prime Video. Eighth grade, if you haven't seen the Bo Damn, Burnham film on yet. Prime? Yeah, on Prime, so please catch up with one of my favorite, That's actually my favorite movie of 2018. Uh, and then January 16th, The Debt with Jessica Chastain and Helen Mirren. Uh, pretty good movie that I saw okay. a few years ago. Then new to VOD on January 15th, Once Upon a Deadpool, Halloween, Madeline's Madeline, and The Old Man and the Gun. Art. Pretty solid. What is your pick for the week? My pick for the week is if Beale Street could talk. It's supposed to be getting a ve- uh, also another bigger um, expansion. expansion. Uh, I do like it. I keep saying that the worst part about the movie is the fact that it needs to be compared to Moonlight. That sucks about yeah. it. But I highly recommend going to go see that. Uh, I think you guys would enjoy it. In terms of shows, like I, <laughs> bro, you can watch it on Hulu. You can watch it on Xfinity. You can watch it. They're 11 minutes long. You can watch them online. I highly recommend the Doppelganger one. It's this copycat episode where there's another show that's literally copying everything they do. And I kid you not, the resolution to that episode is too heavy for a kid's show. I spoiled it for Zach earlier. Am I wrong? That's some heavy stuff. And if that's the way Us ends, (laughs) 
That's all I'm saying. I'm going to have to check out this show. I'm going to have to Dude. check out. Uh, that might be my what to watch for the week. Uh, what I'm recommending for the – or do you have anything else? No. I, I, was, I was saying the uh, Beale Street for theaters, that for at home. Cool. So if uh, – my recommendations, if you are going out, I'll say Beale Street as well. I think – that's one that I've wanted to see uh, again since I've only seen it once still. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think the Moonlight comparison is interesting because it is good in many of the same ways that Moonlight is good. It's got that intimacy. Shots. It's got that, yeah. that really, like, if you feel like you're in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a completely different movie. So, I don't know. It's, it's hard to compare, but similar in some ways. Yep. And then uh, for people staying at home, Sorry to Bother You is on Hulu. It's been I on just, Hulu. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, go I, ahead. I just rewatched it. it. I rewatched it this last week. It's a still like a batshit insane movie, but endlessly creative and continually co coming up with new interesting ways to kind of subvert culture and comment on capitalism and class and uh, unions. And I, I think it's not only one of the funniest movies of the year but one of the smartest movies of the year it's makes it definitely puts boots riley on the map as a voice to watch because it's just a unique cinematic perspective uh, i think it's just one of the most interesting absurdist comedy movies in quite some time so uh, if you're looking for something that's a cultural satire but also just hilarious and random and weird this is definitely the movie Bro, for you. Funnest movie I saw. I'm so excited. Sundance, my dude, two weeks from now. When I first saw that at Sundance, it was crazy. Just the amount of like fun that you're having because you really did not know where that movie was going to go next. Yeah. I, I can't what, wait to see your, what this year is. What's your bet for the Sundance Dick Long. movie this year? Dick Long. Uh, it, you already know. You already know what I was going to say. We're all planning yeah. on watching that one midnight yeah. when everybody gets there. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's the movie that comes from our favorite <laughs> A24 film. <laughs> <laughs> Swiss Army Man, uh, the directors, one of them is making, uh, directing this movie. At the Death of the Dick Death Long. The Death of Dick Long. Yes, very excited to see that mm -hmm. one at Sundance. Uh, but that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, on Letterboxd, at ZShevich. Also check out my Instagram, at ZShevich. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Letterboxd is actually, a lot of people have been checking out the top list and been telling me, why is Mandy here? <laughs> why is Leave No Trace here? Yeah. Uh, because why the other ones are above it. Why does look like my top list? Boy, why don't yours look like uh, so yeah, there's a bunch of different different things on Instagram. You could definitely follow me because I'll be like talking mm -hmm. about everything from the road trip. I'm in Seattle now. I'm gonna try to shoot some videos with the incredible background that we have. We would have shot it, but you can't see anything, and it's so windy in Seattle. They didn't talk about the the rain. No, they took Chicago's wind over here, so you wouldn't even be able to hear anything if I was out there. But uh, we got the needle at the backdrop. But I'll be posting all of that nope. stuff on Instagram, asking for suggestions on Twitter and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let let Art know where you can get a good cup of coffee. He please. Will thank you. Hey, uh, you can listen. I was just gonna say for the fifth time, please say, "Hey, there's a little coffee shop called Starbucks." It gets funnier. It gets funnier yeah. every time I hear the joke. You know what's really funny is when you hear it for the hundred seventh time. Then it's a well, yeah, because it's because that's a hundred seven times that it. <laughs> Zach, where can they find you? 
You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well here on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday and please leave a comment like the video head over to iTunes leave us a five-star review do any of that stuff also like our Facebook our Instagram our Twitter pages all of them are at intercut pod it's the best way to get updates on us and the show throughout the week thanks again for tuning in and until next time Green Book will forever be remembered alongside great comedies such as The Martian and American Hustle. I'm for it.